0: You ever see the Spy magazine article um, called "The Little Producer That Couldn't"?
1: I don't. Yeah, uh, I, you know, for some reason this, the Spy article that sounds familiar. So I, a, I it know.
0: was a whole diatribe. It was after Dina went public, and it basically was like a twelve-page diatribe of how he failed oh. <laughs> miserably. <laughs> <laughs> and they even had em, They even had like a lineup and show how short he was. Oh my oh, God! Hammered them, hammered them. and um, one of the uh, one of the stories was he, you know, all in one of the problems they addressed was um, he had all his scripts translated to Italian. Oh, and um, <laughs> and,
1: and in order to read them initially, so you read them,
0: yeah, because he gotcha. couldn't read English. Right. And so he he did everything in Italian, and the the story in Spy Magazine was that he had a director come to New York. And um, and Dina said, "Well, my house in the Catskills is empty. You know, you can you're welcome to go have a weekend there. However, um, my translator's staying there. And um, and so the director packs up, goes up for a weekend at Catskills, right. gets there late, right. uh, with his dog. And, you know, and wait. So they wake up Saturday morning together, and the translator comes in the kitchen, and they have pleasantries and good morning. And the translator looks down and says, oh, what a lovely cat you have.'" <laughs>
1: <laughs> so maybe there's wow, <laughs> maybe, maybe there's wow, it's just yeah, maybe some of the scripts didn't quite translate uh <laughs> properly.
0: <laughs> I have that article.
1: Oh my god, oh my god, that's just too brilliant! That's just too brilliant, and this was written. Back in the day, yeah, I mean, it was. Like, it was like after Deg had D-E-G, come and gone.
0: Deg only lasted about right. two years right. at the most, right. and right. it was up upon its failure. Gotcha, it's gotcha, a failure.
1: Gotcha. So it was probably written in the late eighties. Yeah. yeah, and
0: I believe that's the, where the quote um, came from. Uh, everybody me- cry when the, when the monkey die, Everybody cry. Was, oh, okay. Was in that article. I must have. I it, must have read that because not requoted. Right. Here we are, episode four everybody loves the monkey uh king kong lives was a large huge feature film that was shot here in 1986 huge put a lot of us to work and um and our guest today michelle johnson a-list hairdresser who worked on the show and robbie beck who very first job in the movie business was on king kong lives
1: oh okay okay yeah, you know, I've I've known Robbie for years. I, I mean, I've know I, I knew Michelle back in the day, but then she went off to conquer the world, but uh, Robbie and I had a chance to work on a lot of shows uh, throughout the years and I just I just find him to be one of the most, you know, just solid solid prop makers
0: uh, out I, there. I think you bring up a good point. Um, Michelle, you know, did move on and conquer New York City and the world, and Robbie Beck has has had a, an amazing career and has managed to
1: keep his career in Wilmington. Stay right here. Yeah. You know, gone out and done some big stuff, but he he has always been based out of Wilmington.
0: So without further ado, um, Michelle Johnson and Robbie Beck on Rap Beer.
2: Where have,
1: Michelle, where have you been based out of for the last, I mean, have you been in...
2: Where? I've been in New York for... That's pretty got much it. where at home base has been 25 years. Yeah.
1: Or? I mean, I I knew you had moved around a little bit when you first left here. I just didn't know where oh, yeah. you settled, but it was oh, New York. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. When I left here, I was on my way to New York, but I got offered to do homicide for a season, which was
1: in Baltimore. Baltimore. Which rem-
2: was perfect because At the weekends, we could go to New York and look for a place to live. Oh, wow. And look at schools and, you know, take the train up. And it was so easy. So it was like the perfect transition. No kidding. And then I sold my house in North Carolina. So what we did before putting her in school in New York is (coughs) we hitchhiked around Africa for four and a half months. (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) Literally hitchhiked. Bummed around.
2: Sometimes, yeah. And I had a friend that had an old beat up, uh, you know, Range Rover. So I put it in the shop and I fixed it up. And so part of the time we had our Range Rover with a rooftop tent. And oh my god! And sometimes we hired a guide. And a couple of times I got tired and I did old five store, you know, five star safari.
1: <laughs> it's allowed. It but is allowed.
2: A lot of times, you know, we had to dig a hole to poop in. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but but four months?
2: How yeah, like exciting! Four and a half months. So that was like four to four and a half. Wow.
0: From our last conversation, we learned that Michelle may have won the award for the furthest traveled to arrive at Wilmington Studios.
1: Oh, is that right to join
0: the movie circus oh really where where yeah, from yeah
2: well, it was England, South Africa. <laughs> been here (laughs) (laughs)
1: johannesburg to wilmington (laughs) right oh my gosh oh that's pretty good yeah that's pretty far furthest travel i stopped to
2: see my mom in louisiana on the way up yeah
1: oh wow oh wow so what was your first show
2: blue velvet was my actual first set to well it wasn't when i woke up in south africa i had run out of money and so I was sleeping on a couch waiting for my mom to get me back to America. (laughs) I was like, I ran out of money. I don't want her to stay. Get me. She goes, well, you're coming here first. I'll say, great. And I woke up in the morning. So
1: your mom was living here?
2: In Louisiana.
1: Oh, that's what I thought. I thought it was Louisiana. Okay. But the
2: best part of the story is, so I wake up on the couch in the airport, and there are people rolling in what I know now as 10Ks and all this (gasps) stuff and equipment and what have you. And I thought at first, oh, it's just like the news. But then now I know, of course, the news don't roll 10Ks in.
1: <laughs> right, right.
2: You know? And so I sat there all day, and I watched them making part of a movie. And I got on a plane, and next thing you know, I'm here working on movies. Oh, pretty, pretty
1: crazy. So, so you you went you went to uh, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And is was that, that is mom? that where the airport was that you saw them making the movie, or was it this no, airport? South Africa. Oh, it's in South Africa. Okay, yeah. so so how did you get from Louisiana to Wilmington? I drove up. No, I mean, <laughs> did, did did you did you call a car? Oh my God, um, <laughs> no. But I'm Uber. just saying, were you coming here because you had heard they were making movies here? Yeah,
2: my dad said the family were here. Um, okay. Yeah, there you go. So that's how we all ended up here. So I used to spend summers here.
1: Okay. Back so when
2: they had sea urchin and starfish all over the beaches. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah. so
1: Wilmington was already familiar. Oh yeah. I used to spend
2: you know every second or third summer here. Oh growing that's up. awesome. Yeah. Oh that's
1: awesome. Okay.
2: So I, I literally I moved know. up, stayed with my grandmother for a short while. I got a job in a salon, and within weeks, I was asked to do some haircuts for Red Dragon or Manhunter, mm-hmm. and. I got offered a job, so I never went back.
1: Isn't that
0: awesome?
2: And I've been in this business. Yeah, yeah. Ever
0: since. you've got it. your your career's been amazing. Well, thank you. And you know, my question, you know, set all of you
2: guys. Oh my God, come on! Between wow. the four of us. Well, my
0: wow. My my, my question is, you know, work as a set dresser, we usually show up about six o'clock in the morning. We're kind of the first people on set. But you look over at that hair and makeup trailer. You guys have been going on it for two hours. <laughs> What's going
2: on in there? Oh, I've had, what, like... what? What is... what? What's happening in... That's a world 3:42 I am 3.42 a.m. call times. Like, you know, in New York, you're driving <laughs> to work, and you're like, damn, they're out partying still. What am I doing?
0: <laughs> yeah. But but I, I can't imagine what what that world must be like, because you're preparing actors to go to, hmm. to do a full day's work, in this kind of quiet zone in the dark. Um, hmm. What's up? What's that like?
2: Well, I mean, there's different types, too. Like, yeah. of course, at the end of the day... When you get to those close-ups, nobody's going to care about their Jimmy Choo shoes. Like, it's going to be a woo-hoo. So we have to know what we're doing or at least be decent at what we're doing. But also, I think, especially times like that, especially those early calls or when people have problems and, they're, you know, they've got kids, they've got lives, but yet they're in front of a camera all the time. Well, I think you know, my sa- best thing is that I, I, I take my cue from them. You have to read the room
0: in the art department. i never want to affect an actor. You know, I just yeah. don't really want to have a conversation with them. I don't want to say hello cuz I want them I don't want to be the guy, you know, that told the crew joke right before they had to go do their big scene or something. <laughs> so I just can't imagine have to be in their face, you know. But some yeah, of those great actors in the morning,
2: can. They can literally it. tell a joke themselves and they turn the camera on and next thing you know, they're so deep into crying and depression. It's like wow. Yeah. I mean, and that's the beauty of what I do. I'm right there. I get yeah. to see yeah. you know, it's like wow so but you know I have to tell you, in the art department and props, some of the most amazing art department and props people are these people they have to go in between every single take and reset stuff.
1: Mm. Right.
2: And some of those guys are like ninjas. Yes. You, you don't, don't, don't even, see even Realize they went in and reset shit. Like they're magic. Yeah. And yep. those are the Best. Yeah. And sometimes you don't really even learn their name till halfway through because then you go, oh my God, yeah, look what he's been doing yeah. this whole time. Yeah. Wow. They're ninjas.
0: Yeah, I was I was training a young person, you know, to work on set. I said, you know, those little sparrows that hang out at McDonald's, you know, and they fly in and take <laughs> French fries off the ground. You never that's that's what you need to be. You need to think that's about so it. True. Go in and do your job and get out. No cameraman wants to sit there and look at your backside while you're making your masterpiece. You know? <laughs> you gotta sort it out, get in there and get out.
2: And then we got weird stuff. Like for instance, I'm one of those old school like if it's not broke, don't fix it. But then at the same time, you got actors and people that they want to do this and this between you know well I'm I'm patting my lips and shaking my hair um (laughs) um, for those or and but they want to do this every time between every single take they expect you to touch them up every single time and then your days go from being 12-hour days to 16-hour days and granted it's not always hair and makeup they love to blame us sometimes it's lighting sometimes it's this oh, sometimes yes. it's that sometimes it's camera nobody's got a shot list I mean it goes on and on sure. but a lot of it sometimes can be us so you know I've I, that's another thing I've learned if I just stay in their eye line when I need to like if they know I've come up and looked and looked, and I just kind of go and walk away which was a little subtle nod yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the podcast. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, they know I'm watching and they know I'm there. So after a while, maybe they won't want you to touch them every single time. Yeah. But, you know, insecurities come out in every way. Sometimes right. it's a wardrobe. Yeah. Sometimes it's they just want something to they be touched. They just fixed. want somebody just, to touch something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I said, some of them would rather never be touched.
1: That's right. I've, I've seen that too. George C. Scott.
2: Woo. <laughs> well, I loved him.
0: By the yeah. way, have you have you by chance seen the television series uh, Upload? Oh, I have not. the The hair story is amazing. What Upload is? is it's this quirky. I would say it's like a cross between Arrested Development and Black Mirror. You know, it's this weird technology mm-hmm. oh, thing. My daughter's watching it. Yeah. Where you, if you die, you can get digitally uploaded to heaven. You know, so that's the premise. You have this sort of digital heaven, <laughs> oh, wow. and real and you can interact. You know, you can hang out with your. <clears throat> they basically capture your conscience, and but the way they so therefore now you have so people on digital. earth, you have people in this digital heaven, and and back and forth, and people can come back and forth, and hair tracks everything. I thought of after talking with you the other oh week and God, watching the show. Watch I'm like, holy hair matters, because each character so has two different at least two different versions
1: wow and it's
0: so subtle and then um, not only that they even add to it that some of these characters have hair and their hairdos and stuff are just amazing all within kind of reality not kind of science
1: not tim (laughs) burtony
0: not tim burtony but um but amazing i thought thought about that and even one of the one of the very first gags is a hair gag that they kind of set it off to help let you know that you got you've got to follow the hair if you want to know who you're who you're watching right right Great great show and I really appreciate your craft, you know, oh after wow. watching that show.
2: Oh, I'll know. have to check it out. It's, it's a, a hoot. It sounds cool.
0: It's a hoot.
1: So, Robbie. Hair matters. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> <It's> your autobiography. <laughs> so, Robbie, um, I, I am, I'm just as curious about your origin story. So, h- how did you find Wilmington?
3: Um, I was, um, I mean, um, there's an immediate story, I guess, of what I was doing just before I came here, which is in school at Carolina, and met a couple of guys who were having a degree in, literature and classics i'm like what am i gonna do with that so i went to uh, further my education i like, well i'll go get um, a, a degree in film which didn't really exist at carolina but i did meet some folks there that preceded me here i'd been there about a year and a half in, in and what i thought was a master program master's program um didn't end up being such but um they came down they both got jobs within like a week of being here and they're like both of them contacted me one way or the other one of whom is at least at least one of whom is a part of this podcast scenario. Ah, um, and said, "Hey, if you want to really want to do this, get some experience." Because I didn't know I, I didn't know what anything was. You know, I didn't know what sure. a key grip was.
1: You no. see all the credits, neither you neither had no I.
3: idea what yeah. those people do yeah. and what the what hell I doing. never
1: paid attention to credits before I got in the film <laughs> <Yeah. dumb> business. <laughs> Who are all those people?
2: <laughs> what the hell is a best boy? They,
0: they don't roll credits in the theater, do they, Scott? <laughs> you know, after the no, play, it's, there's it's, no it's, credit roll. No, it's in the program. <laughs>
2: You get well, take that's it. Home. The, that's the thing about streaming,
0: you really
1: aren't in credits anymore. You get to the end, and you're like going to the next. Episode. Oh my god! It, and I got to tell you, there's only been a, not because again, I still don't read credits most, most time. But boy, when I want to read a credit, and all of a sudden they're taking me to the next episode, and it's like no, back, it's hard back. to get to them. Yeah, who did what? I know. But
2: even people that don't work in our business now know what IMDb is. Oh, yeah. They
1: oh, want to yeah. know
2: something, they look it right up. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, that's it, because they, they can get little personal tidbits of their favorite you know people, and, and, and at the same time, learn a little bit. You, yeah. know?
0: you know what I really miss in this regard mm. is, with digital music, where are my liner notes? Yes, mm. yes. You know, I used to want to yes. read these beautiful you know, oh. eloquies about the... You know, the The, the genesis of the album, uh, who did it, how they did it, and um, where is that? It's nowhere to be found. I can't even find who played bass, you know?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Don't get started. Uh, Oh, my God. With photographs to do research? You know, years ago, we used to either have vintage magazines, like Beth has a ton of them, like myself, Mm -hmm. like, you know, tons of vintage magazines. And then, of course, Skywalker Ranch. Then it got to the point where you literally could pay Skywalker Ranch to do some research for you. You can get $200 worth or $1,000 worth, and they'd, you tell them details what you're looking Ooh. for, they would send it all to you. It was amazing. Wow. But nowadays, Pinterest has ruined everything. You how You look up so? a photo. Well, if you do a search for a photo or if you put in something like, say, you know, 1950s New York diner. Gotcha. You know, or Queens Diner. It, as being far as you're, you're researching, and things will pull up, but a lot of them are taken by Pinterest, and there's an, like you said, there's no notes, there's no nothing, there's nothing under the photograph. Even if it was I originally in a, a newspaper, it uh. doesn't say anything underneath. Yeah, and you're like, well, what is that? How do I know that's exactly the period I'm looking for? How do I know that's exactly?
3: Wow. Yeah, there's no uh, provenance.
2: Yeah. But sorry, we, we were yeah. talking about Robbie, and so how what, was got this you,
3: what was what was what was your first credit, Robbie? Oh, it was King Kong Lives.
0: Screen credit. I think I
3: did get a credit uh, on it. I think know. I did. Yeah, that's yeah, where we met. Yeah, Yeah, um, that was my first, you know, trial by fire, which you were a part of. Yeah, that of. was uh,
1: that was my that was my, I guess that was either my that was my second gig as a rigger slash became a grip. But uh,
0: everybody loves know, the monkey.
1: But uh, everybody but, uh, loved know, the monkey. But, but I mean, for for the rigging department, I mean, we worked eight months on Mm -hmm. that thing building the stages out because you know it was all tube tube and clamp and you know it was all British you know Uh, uh, Roy Clark Nobby was his name he was the head rigger and uh, and we used to just we just we just were so immature and childish Roy Clark ah," you know (laughs) but everyone knew him as Nobby and uh, but uh, anyway that was you know for all of us I think it was especially being your first show and it might as well have been one of my first shows it was so massive. 20, was so Twenty million dollars in
0: 1986
2: dollars. Twenty yeah. million
0: dollar production. Yeah. I think it went up to 22. Was what we spent here on but the lot. But what is the
2: equivalent now? I'm curious. With it's inflation. You're your 120.
0: 120 150, 150 Maybe yeah, at least you know, yeah, that's if, yeah, what I figured. Do the math. I don't know. Yeah. If
3: it wasn't that, it was Bull Durham. But it all blends together you know right. at this point in terms of your screen credit yeah exactly
2: that's i think that cool.
3: might have been it
0: but i, I was living down on third and dock in a wooster house had an apartment on the ground floor robbie beck moved in upstairs yeah oh wow and that's where we met yeah. and um and i was busy working and he was looking for a job
1: oh okay even we though we, we had
0: can. we had common friends from carolina
3: i was
1: gonna say Florida. i thought it was a carolina connection but it was literally you just moved into the same place just happened to yeah move upstairs
3: um, and I, I actually was working at a restaurant in, Carol- uh, in Chapel Hill, and they opened a restaurant down here. It was Papa it was uh-huh. back in the day. Yeah. And so I was working there. So I did have a job, but doing this kind of work is what I ultimately wanted to do and, and get into, um,
1: not knowing what I was asking for. What was the dream? What, where, where, um, did, where did you think that was going to go?
3: Well, I started out majoring in economics and accounting. And so after doing that, I'm like, I want the exact opposite,
1: basically. <laughs> exactly. I see. Yeah.
3: So you didn't really yeah. were not even worried about the future. It was just, I want the opposite and of that. Something that I enjoy doing, you gotcha. know. And even if it if it leads to a career, good. If it doesn't, at least I did it'll lead something. to a degree. Yeah. It'll lead to <laughs> yeah. getting me out of here. And yeah. Back in those days, it seemed like you didn't necessarily have to specialize. You just just having a college degree was enough. Absolutely. For a lot of people. And then you get into Absolutely. this business and realize we don't care if you went yeah, to college right. or not. We don't need to see your yeah. Your, yeah. your resume necessarily. A, a set you as set dressers, what
0: we work side by side with the P, PhDs and high school dropouts mm-hmm. and and folks with very poor language skills, yes. but they're a damn
1: good set dressers. Yes, and, yeah. and, and everyone is treated equally. You know, well, it
3: turned out you know having a degree in literature did help me with a later on, like I'm reading sure. scripts and breaking down things and knowing sure. how to analyze characters and yep. giving thought what motivates someone. And because when you have this background of Reading literature and you're looking at the exact same thing. A lot of novels have been turned into screenplays. Right, right, and right. It, you know, it gave me a background for you know, as doing props. All you think about is how did somebody, how did they become what they are? What little things in their life? What little visual clues are there to who they are? Uh, so, uh-huh. it all you know, if you're thoughtful about it, it all makes sense and works together. So,
1: what what, what was your um, what was your first prop master? teenage mutant ninja turtles the oh first my <laughs> first key grip whoa yeah wow yeah
0: there you go well
1: that
3: was a big one yeah and that came about from the abyss because i met the uh, art director gary Wisner, and we became good buddies and he had me like i'd hang out on the weekends with him and he's like let's do this special thing because i was like the warehouse guy which john right. got me to doing and so i knew all this specialized equipment and all these things we had to order and He's like we need to hang suspend so and so from right. here and i would know well you need this clever this thing right. i can't remember the names <laughs> right, of right. all the pvc hangers but and you knew. and yeah so we'd go get me the things we need to do that and we'll do the special thing on this weekend so just sometimes just he and i would go in and do some little thing on a set and then he would we became friends and he was like what do you really want to do and it's like i want to be a prop master because i had been around tantar i've been around other people that mm-hmm. did it and i thought it was interesting and I knew also that it wasn't as physical as being a set dresser. That's I'm right. Like, I'm never going to.
0: Sustain I'm not going to be that guy. Yeah. It's not it,
3: sustainable it, for yeah. a career. Yeah. If this. you
0: if you can't carry it two blocks drunk, it ain't a problem. <laughs> yeah. Bottom yeah. roll. That's 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 the cutting line right there. So I thought, well, that's great. He's a
3: nice guy, you know, but the chances of like him actually helping me make this next step are probably minuscule right so little that i know he shows up as the art director on ninja turtles and right here in my backyard and he called does he call you here's your chance yeah
1: wow he remembered
3: and uh, it was right after really it was right i got gotcha. basically um yeah that's yeah, true i'd never true. done it before i'd been an assistant i think i'd have to go back and look right yeah i'd definitely been a proper assistant um but, you know, that was, again, just thrown into it. That was a big fantasy and
1: film, and we made every was, single thing. I, I was going to say, you didn't buy a lot of that stuff. You no. literally created it. Yeah. And
0: yeah. and you're going up with Jim Henson and that crowd. Yeah, right? no
1: kidding. Ca- no, I mean, yeah, I, I was overwhelmed, you know, first of all, because, you know, I was just told I was doing it. You know, mm-hmm. Bobby just called and said, look, they want me to do this. I can't do it. I've given them your name. I've told them there's no one else. So you have to do it, <laughs> and you know, and of course, I'm cocky enough to say, "Oh yeah," and I'm terrified because it's like I have no clue, <laughs> right. and and what's a turtle? <laughs> oh my gosh, no idea. I well, had, it's funny I because no
3: like yesterday or the day before, I was at the grocery store, and there are two young kids who are like 20 years old checking checking you know checking me out, not in that way, but. Um, <laughs> uh, they were saying just between the two of them, they were like, we were just talking about who's the best Ninja Turtle. I'm like, what? And I said, you know, I just I did props on the show, the shot here, and the guy was like, are you're. They were like, it's an honor to meet you, Dude, sir. It, that's where his that's, literary degree comes into play. Yeah. <laughs> that's where he
0: can just wax eloquently about no, but, his time on Ninja Turtle, <laughs> movie. but of all
1: the movies, but of all the movies I've done, I've worked on, and I've worked on a few decent ones. That's the one that people, especially people that are. 50 and younger mm-hmm. because that was their early teenage years or that they were mm-hmm. 6 and 7 and 8 or whatever. Um, the guy I work for now, you know, one of his favorite films ever. Of course, he's 39 years old, you know. Um, but, yeah, that film gets more rise out of people, yeah. you know. just and, and, again, it was such a unique kind of thing. Yeah, it was when thrill. I when
2: I got my script for Ninja Turtles, I had went to a family reunion. And so I pulled it out and I looked at it. I'm like, what the hell? It oh, was a teenage ninja right? turtle. I <laughs> don't right? know what the hell it was. Well, funny enough, my one of my cousins does research for MIT, right? And his son was in there with all the adults. His son was just like him. Couldn't relate to the kids. Wasn't outside playing with them. But funny enough, he likes teenage <laughs> ninja I turtles. I knew what it comic was. Comic books. Yeah. So he knew what it was. And this and the other. And then he started drilling me. He goes well, do you understand the fourth dimension? And, <laughs> <laughs> and he just went on and on about it. I was like, well, you know, a uh, little bit of soap bubble theory, all that kind of, you know, I, I get a little bit. He goes, how can you work on it if you don't even understand it? <laughs> <laughs> That's because you don't understand what movie making is. Yeah. And after a little while, I'm like, don't you want to go play with the other <laughs> yes. kids? It also
0: begs the question, turtles have hair?
2: Yeah. <laughs> 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 I
3: was lucky that I had Gary, who... The, the art director that got me involved with it to start with. And then we had rory Forge Smith who was the production That's designer. Great. Ah Roy. Rory yeah. Smith. All That's what I was trying to remember. Monty Python movies. I oh yeah. thought he great, was great sweet. He I was, mean, he was. Yeah. Um amazing. and then we ended up with his son, Brendan, who was also I oh, think he was a lead man or something. Lead man or decorator record. maybe? Yeah he the decorated two? the second one. Yeah. Right. He's also a hilarious guy who now do like shit's creaking but he's still out there doing it. Wow. Um, but, yeah, I was really lucky that I had a mentor like Roy because I'd worked with all these Brits before, like Hugh Scaife mm-hmm, and, right. the, and uh, the other designers um, from Noble House. And they were all Brits back, yep. in, back yep, in the they day were. in the art department. So then Roy just seemed like a natural um, evolution for me to work with somebody like that. And he was very, very supportive, if yeah. the, like, even against, like, if I had an issue with Brian Henson over something we were building, Roy would come in and say, no, the way he's doing it is the way it's going well, uh, wow. to be. Oh, wow. To Brian Henson, which I oh, like
0: I always thought oh, with, doing the, with the with the Brits, way. there's two two kinds of Brits. You know, there's the there's ones that just really honor us and lo- and appreciate us. You know, for just showing up. Right. And, um, then there's other ones that no matter how good a job you do or how well advanced you are, you're never actually a proper prop guy. That's right. You? He'll That's never right. be a proper no. prop guy because no. the cast system it's A and B. Yeah, and it's I, one or the other. With other we things. had that on King Kong Lives. It was mm-hmm. you know Husey versus. Charles Tony Tor- Tony
3: Tiger yeah. Charles um, Torbay. Yeah, yeah, or, Charles, yeah. right.
0: You know, and this is a, is a and B, you know. And Charles and one was of one them, of those you'll Charles, never be you'll good never, enough. Never, he'll never be a proper problem.
3: He'd also now. never tell you how to do anything, <laughs> which is fine, because he'd want it done a certain way, but he wouldn't tell you what it was. And he so he'd get so bitch just, about it afterwards? Just start doing it. Just yeah, start doing it. Just it. You know, whatever it was, like here's a two thousand dollar saddle. You need to age this. I'm like, I don't know. I'm not. I'm going to ruin it. He's like, just start doing it. Just you know, did. drag it around the parking lot, tied to a rope behind your car. That's what we did. That's what we actually did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did it out at Airly
1: Gardens. Like, right. Okay, well, how many more laps you want? Because I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do we want this to look like it's been in an accident or? <laughs>
0: A, uh, age, aging's a pretty simple concept. For yeah. set, you, know, you just tie it to the five ton, drag it to the set, <laughs> and you're done. It's
3: done. And then what, sometimes I'll see someone eight years removed from having they were a PA or they were an assistant or whatever and I was maybe in some position of authority and they'll come up to me and I'm like how did I treat that person I can't really remember <laughs> well I'll yeah. tell
1: you what I'll tell you what I was uh, um I I had learned way early on my my parents were especially my father you know treat everybody like you want to be treated kind mm-hmm. of thing yeah and um and there was a PA on Matlock and first day in the business and uh and i made a big deal about it Mm. you know welcome oh my gosh if you need anything eight years later he's the first ad (laughs) and 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 i've i've forgotten him yeah because i didn't see him and he comes up and he goes do you remember me i said well yeah you look familiar he says you were the only person that day who gave me a couple of minutes told me it was gonna be all right yeah just 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 you know keep your head down and I've never forgotten you, and, wow. and you're one of the reasons that I stayed in the business because, gosh knows, we all know right. how tough this is. But that just yeah, meant a lot to me. Yeah, said, but yeah. you, you were you were one of the only people that treated me decent. I yeah. did this
0: little movie here was, uh, called The List, was a little million-dollar budget, um, kind of Christian-themed movie. Gary right. Wheeler, director, wonderful man, right. great filmmaker. And um and they handed us they brought a busload of these kids from a church in Minnesota down here to be our oh interns, right? <laughs> and they gave each department, you know, an intern so from um, Minnesota somewhere. Yeah, wow. and, and they're sleeping on the floor of the church here in town. And and we got oh this guy God. named Jeff Tock, you know, in the art department. Of course, we got the weirdest guy. This yeah. guy was like from March, had never oh, probably left his little town in Minnesota. This right. Or the other and. and He's with us, Missy Barrent, myself, and Polar Bear and John Brumel, and we just threw this guy to the <laughs> wolves. And it's uh, a movie about lawyers and stuff. On day one, yeah. you know, we had to load up 500 feet of law books into the parish over there at um, St. James. And so we there four in the morning loading up books, and this kid worked hard. You know, we he learned what it meant to be a set dresser. At the end of that day, um, the director. Is, is just kind of a test or joke. He went to every PA he could find, every one of these interns, and says, hey, can you tell me where tomorrow's location is? Just a simple question. Right. And like half of them would go, ah, and run away. And, <laughs> <laughs> and Gary comes to me and says, your guy, you know, I go to your guy, Jeff. I go, hey, man, can you tell me where the location is? He, he, he got a call sheet. And Jeff goes, I ain't got nothing, man, and just walks <laughs> off. <laughs> He says, he says it's the best thing. So we're using. I'm gonna use this line forever. I, got, I ain't got nothing, man. You know, like, <laughs> hey, ain't he got, I ain't got nothing, man. <laughs> All right. So, cut. I don't know. Ten years later, and I'm gonna get uh, a call from agent. You know, um, hey, what are you doing? You got going? Through. And I used the line. I said, I ain't got nothing, man. <laughs> he goes, well. Netflix is getting ready to you know, greenlit this, this show. I'll send you a script. It's got a big buzz, you know? And I um, said, like, Great, yeah, send me. So the agent sends me the beat sheet. Uh, the movie's called Shadow of the Moons. It says, A mind bending, twisting tale written by Jeff Tuck.
1: No way. <laughs> Same kid. Same kid. Oh,
2: stop. <laughs>
1: Did you do it? No, No. I didn't get the job.
2: Oh, you didn't get the job. I ain't got nothing, man. I ain't got nothing, man.
1: (laughs) What's, What's the... Best script you ever read?
2: Probably hands down, *The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind.
1: Really? Now, was that like the first time you read you closed it and went, oh my God? Or I sat down
2: and read it in one go.
1: But I mean, and, and what was your first reaction when you got to the end?
2: Well, first of all, we had all just learned of Charlie Kaufman in the recent past. And so when I got the script, I was so excited. Wow, right. And then... Uh, yeah, I just couldn't put it down. I was so excited. This is something new, and, you know, we all do a lot of remakes and this, that, and the other, but was it was complete original content, and it was wow. exciting, and it was interesting. And Wow. Yeah. Uh,
1: and what was, uh, what was it like working on that particular show? Oh,
2: I loved it. Yeah, um, um, it yeah. was tough. It was a really tough shoot. Um, however, especially for camera, and I love Ellen Curris. I think she's amazing. And my dearest friend, Carlos Guerra was the focus puller. Like, I I loved all of the – I love camera departments. Mm-hmm. I love – um, but anyway, and Ellen's really cool too. I don't know if you know her, but Ellen Curris, she's done documentaries. She's she's really cool, a leader of women nice. in camera departments. Like, she's amazing. Um, but anyway, everything was done old school tricks, like – when Jim would walk into say the the doctor's office, right. and he would be in front of camera or whatever, and then he'd he'd go around as the camera moved, he would run around the back side, take his coat off, take his hat off, put on a lab coat or whatever uh, or a different sweater, and come back in the other side oh, so as, that the was live. Pan, as the camera as the pan camera panned around. That as was the pan- live.
1: I, I all that cool stuff. I didn't we set gosh. up
2: the the Chinese restaurant was inside. Uh, the Columbia bookstore in New York
1: City. Just for the background of the So
2: book. so it goes from the bookstore to yeah. the right. to the Chinese. Oh mm. wow. Like it's in, in, cool like yeah, in camera gags, Yeah. In camera gags, yeah. The bed on the on the Montauk out, you know, by the ocean, which it did happen to snow that day. That was sheer that was, mother that was nature real? and how cool was that? Oh yeah, my yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. God. yeah. Yeah, no, it was pretty cool. So camera worked their little yeah. butts off, like yeah, no it kidding. was, woo, wow, tough. and it was intense. But I loved it. Wow, that's it awesome. cool. That's you know, awesome. for I for know, a
0: prop guy and telling everyone, there's nothing better than an in-camera gag, you know, that where you do the magic. Yeah,
2: oh, it,
1: absolutely, it, a phys- mm-hmm. physical. It's trick. so cool. Absolutely, love it. You know, uh, on on the grip side, it's like doing poor man's process, you know, mm. when, when, yeah. when, when you really get all the things, the elements to the point that when you're looking at the monitor going, yeah, that, that actually selling, you know, I yeah. mean, there's, there's, there's pride in that. If you do it well, poor yeah. man's
2: process is the bomb. Well, it is because you're it's- You're out of the elements, you don't exactly. have follow vehicles, it's, it's you don't easiest, have
1: like- It's the yeah, it so makes it so easy for the actors it works, to do and it's thing. it's good. Yeah, I agree. Amazing. Robbie, what's the best script you ever read? Um, I think,
3: I, as I think I said previously, also Lolita, mainly because I was such a, a literature fan. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. And sure. This was something I read in and college. And that. Yeah. And I loved pretty... Nabokov, and then I read that script, and it was pretty much the embodiment of the novel. That for Nabokov to be Russian-born and then to write a novel like that in English. Right. And I also, when I was. Thinking of going to graduate school, I reread Lolita and looked up all the words I didn't know because it was, like, the best way to study for taking the GRE uh-huh. to read all the, you know, because he was a master of, of language. so right. um, Yeah, even Lolita, the way the, your tongue moves when you say her name was an important thing. So
1: Oh, really?
3: Yeah, yeah the way he described where the various points of where your tongue contact your, your upper palate and your lip when you say her name. Just simple things like that. You wow.
1: I'm so amazing.
3: Well, luckily, I had been a prop yeah. master a few times, and I realized, like, this is a huge show, and I don't care if I'm an assistant. This is a learning opportunity for me. Oh,
1: I've always felt i always felt that way. Yeah. I don't have to be key or the best boy, you know. you know. I
2: still go do backgrounds sometimes yeah. on a big period piece. Because I, like... I
1: want to work with certain people. Yeah. You know, well, if you're
3: that. in my line of work, there's a couple of prop masters that are, like, the pinnacle. And Sandy Hamilton is one of them. He does all the Wes Anderson movies. Oh, wow. So it's like incredible, meticulous detail. I was going to say, incredible detail. Yeah, so we had three months of prep on that show, and we literally made every single thing. We made every match. But whether you saw it or not, we made everything was real. Everything was researched. Wow. Um, He was just one of those guys that was amazing to work for. Um, I mean, I've been a prop master on a few shows, but I didn't have the knowledge he did. I didn't know how to do the things that he did, how to have have a book made, how to make all the little – tiny little thing you know that takes 40 years and, of doing it to yeah. a,
1: to to explore all those things
3: and luckily to work with someone like that and then on a big show that you know we were scheduled for 70 days of shooting we shot one hundred and twenty-three. Yeah yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> um and speaking of like process trailers and i remember the very last day of shooting was like day 73 of 80 or whatever it was or day 123 of 80 we were in um we were in California. We traveled coast to coast, which is, the, that's a road movie, yep. really. So we, we were nonstop all over the country, yep. which was also another great thing. And um, Beth, who, my wife, who worked as a proper assistant, too, we were both like, this is never going to happen again. We have chartered jets flying us from one spot to the other, <laughs> you know, and we're shooting in all these incredible locations and multiple units. And um, so we were, I remember the very last day of shooting, was like three in the morning, I'd kind of become friends with Adrian Lyon because I'm around him for a right. lot of hours right. and a lot of days. Right. But he was still very particular and meticulous. And we did shoot for two weeks and we scrapped everything and we started over. We had wow. a very well known director of photography who he fired two weeks in Jeffrey Kimball. Oh,
1: I remember hearing that story. And then we just
3: started over from scratch. So, day one, we were already two weeks behind. You know, we hadn't even started yet, basically. But I do remember being in, like, a garage in Northern California at 3 in the morning after an 18-hour day and him yelling at me. I was shaking the car with the two-by-fours. Really? You know, and he was <laughs> screaming at me, Shake it harder! <laughs> calling me, like, all these I'm like, what does that even mean? You know? But, uh, yeah, that was my last memory of, of Adrian Lyme. But oh, it, was that's an, cool. it was an incredible experience. No and, kidding. And when we did, um, like, speaking of the script, when we had a question about it, they always went to the novel. So if it was, how did this happen, or what's the ah. background, whatever, we, they didn't look at the script. They looked at the novel. Yeah. And then we also had Nabokov's grandson who was there, who was kind of like an overseer. Who, uh, I'm sure. Do you? Who, who did the script? Who, who um, wrote the script? Yeah, a guy named Steven Schiff. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, before that, like David Mamet had written one, and I think Harold Penner had both written one, and they just like nah. Wow. I mean, so wow. some of the biggest writers. Two of the biggest writers. Yeah. 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 Nah. I mean, I'm I think it's just. Beautiful, beautiful yeah. film, and it really did embody it. I mean, when Kubrick made it, it was a comedy, and it's not a comedy; it's a tragedy. It's sad. It's it's a right. grown-up man who. It is and, sad, yeah, right. um, yeah. Um, so I thought he did a beautiful job with it, and it looks an amazing. I mean, uh, it's an who ended up being the DP? A British guy named Howard Atherton, who I don't really know what he'd done before or after, but part of it was like Adrian. You know, he'd done all these commercials and he knew all this camera stuff, but he kept telling the first DP, like, I want it darker, I want it darker, I want it darker. So we made it darker and made him come to dailies in here. And you like, we can't see anything. i <laughs> um, like, well, it's his fault. <laughs> um, so then when we brought Howard Atherton on, he already knew what had kind of happened with the previous guy. Yeah. Right? That's so he always would take six hours. It's easier to come in and he takes take six over. hours to light a set. We wouldn't wow. shoot till after lunch all oh, the time. Yeah. Speaking of DPs and taking six hours of light like sets and scenes, I've also been the exact opposite, which is I, I had an opportunity to work on a show that Sven Nyquist was the DP on, and he had done all the Bergman movies, which are simple and austere and still beautiful. Uh, yeah. And we could literally go into a room and he would put one light,
0: we're lit. That was Gilbert, great.
3: Yeah, he put one light outside a window or something, maybe like that's it. Uh, this is I what it would look that. like. You did *Gilbert Grape*. I mm-hmm. know. I did not know that movie. But yeah, so you can you can l- you can spend six hours lighting something
1: and you get a certain result, or you can spend five minutes if you know. Well, what you're see, doing, it's what all it's want. all about knowing what you want, and o- only experience will give you that education of what yeah. it takes to get it. Yeah, and yeah. nobody questions. And knowing if you do it, Netflix. will it work? Oh, yeah. no, gosh.
2: On track twenty nine. That was another script I loved. But um, on track twenty nine. God, I can't think of the DP's name. He did Excalibur. He was amazing. Yeah. But I'll never forget, because talking about, you know, camera moves and handheld stuff, they used Aerie because Aeries are lighter mm-hmm. than Panavision, and and they were following a Ferris wheel, and you had two or three different characters on different parts of the Ferris wheel. So as it went around, Honey, he'd handheld, move it to the different characters, and that focus puller was racking focus back and forth and all of it. Damn, if they didn't get the shot. Like, I mean... It, You look at all those old things like that, and you're like, "Wow, so cool!" Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah.
2: I love Nicholas Rogue. Okay. Oh, he would sit and tell me stories in the morning. I
1: love the fact that you go that far back. That's great. I absolutely love that.
2: Here at the studio, we had a hair and makeup room that was divided by a a partial wall. So I was on this side, and Jeff Goodwin was on that side. So Teresa would come in, who was married to Nick Rogue, and they had he had kids from a previous marriage and then he had young kids with teresa max and stat right through the years i've worked with almost all these people <laughs> 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 all of his family <laughs> oh, really? yeah oh that is but anyway so she would sit in my chair i'd get her hair done then she'd go around the wall and go to makeup and then i realized at some point nick was out in the hallway and then i realized he was doing that every day he was so in love with her. Hmm. And and he would sit out there and just listen to us talk and tell stories. You know, one was about insignificance of film that they did because she had on that T-shirt and I was just like, oh, I love that T-shirt. You know, and cut to the last day of shooting, she was already gone. I go into my room and there's her T-shirt. She left it for oh. me. Yeah. Aww. But Nick used to sit out there and listen, listen. And then he started, after she would go into makeup, he started coming in and just telling me stories. Hmm best stories from that man because you know he was an amazing dp and an editor he did so many things before he was a director and i used to love that because he used to tell people about lens and things and we didn't have monitors I don't know if you guys remember. were you in 29. Oh, on track I uh, uh, well, We, didn't, no, have we didn't have
1: monitors for a lot of films back in yeah. the day. You know, you, you went over and you looked through the eyepiece yeah. and that's all yeah, you exactly. got. Yeah. Exactly. Or, no, if you're an on-set dresser, you
0: don't get to look through the yeah. eyepiece. Yeah. You just have to know your lens and your Oh, no. Films. There you go. No, the gri- you got to you got to know it.
1: The grip there department go. only got to look through the mm-hmm. lens if there was something specific that needed to yeah. move mm-hmm. or whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. and you need to see it from this perspective. Yeah. But you're right. It was it was it was kind of hollowed ground, you know, around the camera back. There was great respect stories there was, was great respect about so cool. uh about the camera there yeah, was great respect right. around that absolutely. camera. absolutely you know nobody nobody put their coffee cups on the damn <laughs> dolly know. what the and heck? i was
2: still so green <laughs> at that point and like you said we were all new we i didn't know how to break down a script i didn't know how to right. I mean, you know we were all right. so new at these things oh, and yeah. then you're thrown into being a head of department That's right. and, I, and i'll never forget it it's the kind of thing i should have asked like a second AD or something you know but because Nick was in there telling me stories every morning I was like he was my friend you know right. so I'm on set and they've got Gary Oldman out in the field and whatever and and, <laughs> and I'm thinking do I run in and fix it cuz he had this hat on and the hair I was like Mm-mm-mm. so finally I'm like Nick he says yes I said do I need to run out there and fix this? He goes, oh, Michelle, it could be an oddvark on a moped, for all we know. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I, I, I was
1: <laughs> what a great image, though, because yeah, he's so true. I mean, yeah, yeah and, of and all uh, things to say. Yeah,
0: and on um, and my goodness, that's a young filmmaker, um, and look what she's become, Michelle, an esteemed hairstylist, and uh, Robbie Beck, um, a stalwart prop man, and um, and I think really fine examples of Wilmington filmmakers. Oh yeah. Yeah, so. I mean,
1: again, started right here, and both of them, when you look at your resumes, you just go, wow. Yeah. Big stuff. And Big stuff. the passion's still there. It is. These guys are still in the game. I, I feel like if they got calls tomorrow, they'd, they'd be off off on the road again. That's
0: right. And um, so, up next...
1: I can't wait. The Reverend Tom Jones. Yes, the nicest man in the film
0: business. You know, he's a construction coordinator, and I'm the art department, yeah. so he and I worked together many times. Yeah. Um, Tom is... Famous for being calm and collected, even on the most strenuous situations, and guess what?
1: Oh, you don't. I don't have to guess. He's now famous. Yes, yes, he is. (laughs) But you're gonna have to wait till the next episode to find out about that.
0: That's episode five of Rat Beer. The doctor is in.
1: Can't wait.
0: and written by Scott Davis and John D. Kretschmer. The theme music is provided by Turbo Pro Project. This one-of-a-kind podcast is recorded at the historic screening room at Cinespace Studios in Wilmington, North Carolina. Copyright Bluff Co. Industry 2024.